Hi, and thank you for tuning to the Fight Zone podcast. I'm Seth. In this episode, I talk with a real life warrior and the man behind veteran grappling. Scott Steer is a combat army veteran of Afghanistan and Iraq. He's judo black belt, competing and coaching over the years for Victoria, Western Australia, Queensland, and the Australian New Zealand national teams in judo. Scott is founder of the veteran grappling community program developed to offer free lessons in judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and yoga. The program is designed to help military veterans deal with mental and physical health issues through training in combat sports such as PTSD, anger management by meditation and physical exertion. Veteran grappling has joined forces with the medical team who are currently conducting scientific research on how combat sports are a successful form of treatment for veterans dealing with psychological and physical health issues. The long-term goal of veteran grappling is also to have these sports added to the Invictus Games and Warrior Games for the veteran communities. I got carried away in my conversation with Scott and how the combat sports prepare him for the extreme environment in which professional soldiers work and how grappling helps in healing process to bring veterans back to the civil life. So I even forgot to take picture with him for the episode. So I stole some from the Veteran Grappling Facebook page, which is veteran-grappling. You can also follow their work on Instagram, Veteran Grappling One Word, and you can also learn more about the program and the links in the description. You can contact Scott himself at his email veterangrappling at gmail.com and you can also support veteran grappling work on the links and fundraisers in the descriptions or on our GoFundMe page which is gofundme.com veteran-grappling. You can show up on Veteran Grappling Grab opening this weekend, 3rd of August 2018 at 33 Expansion Street at Molen Diner, Queensland 4214. And the event is free and open for everyone and is promising to be great even for the grappling community on Gold Coast. There you can talk with very interesting people and can learn from a bunch of great black belt instructors and UFC fighters. And I hope you enjoy and learn from this episode as much as I did. Why do we fight? To protect home and family. To preserve balance and bring harmony. For our kind, the true question is, what is worth fighting for? The Fight Is All podcast. Alright, thanks for coming. No worries, thank you. Uh, okay, uh, would you tell me your combo sports story? Yeah. And how sure. that leads to uh, veteran grappling? Yeah, so I started um, back in, started grappling sports probably back in March, April 1986. Um, I was about five years old and um, Karate Kid had just come out and. Uh, yeah. Well, you're, you're not much bigger than me. I'm uh, uh, 8-0. 8-0, yeah. <laughs> 80s baby, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and after watching that movie, I, I just started kicking my sister and the walls. And <laughs> my, da- my dad, who was a bit of a boxer, um, wanted to get me into something to, to concentrate my, my aggression into. And um, he didn't want me to do boxing. Uh, he wanted me to to do a, a Japanese martial art. And then luckily enough, there was a judo club at the end of the road. So um, I started going to there and that same coach I've sort of stuck with 
through my whole career. Um, he's been my head coach and, and my mentor, and then from there I've sort of branched off to other clubs. And um, he, he was really good in that respect that um, he said, the only way you're going to get any better is by training with different people and different styles. The more more training you can do, the, the better. Everyone does things differently and everyone's got a different body shape. and um, So you're always going to pick up something, even if it might be minor at any club. So we used to try and um, once a month, we'd get a car load of us and we'd go to a different club. And sometimes we'd travel like four hours to go to a, a different club to, to um, yeah, just to make friendships as well as, as, as train and learn something new. And That's a very clever approach. That's a very yeah. clever approach. Uh, I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, and and you know how in, in BJ community there was this, uh, you know, Crionche thing? Mm. But I think that's not... Uh, not helping much in your development. Uh, I, I was, I was since since I started started coaching. I was saying to to my students like, if you if you want to try something else, go train yeah. and bring it back. Because my theory is, if I'm good enough coach, they go, they want something, they come back. Yeah. yeah but exactly. if someone goes somewhere to train there, I would rather go train there to learn what they do better than me. Yeah. Than stopping my students for going to exactly. to learn something something that that, that might, might be might be a better idea. Yeah. I think the other thing too. We're, where I grew up was in country Victoria, and um, so our closest club was probably about an hour and a half away. Um, so we had a pretty big club in our region, but you're constantly training with the same people every time. So yeah. we all know the and same And you know, he's, he's going to go for that, you yeah. do that, and that works on this guy, that works on that guy. So it ends up being a bit of a stalemate. So yeah. really at our own club, when we, when we, had, we had a group of us that come through fighting at international level, it got to a point where it was pretty much a stalemate every time we trained with each other. So that's where we just thought, well, let's change the focus here. Let's concentrate on getting our fitness levels up when we're at our own club. And then when we go to other clubs, that's when we try new techniques and, and learning from them as well. Um, so our, uh, um, our club, the motto was um, forever green, which means that you're always learning. And that was yeah. the, the sort of concept that we stuck with. No matter where we go, we're going to pick something up, whether it's a new warm-up sort of activity or, or as I said, a different way of doing a certain technique. And that, that really helped, I think, um, especially through my teenage years. And then when I got to um, really that international level where I was competing quite consistently, um, I just tried to tap into as many resources as I could and just traveled as much as I could overseas and just trying to build the clubs. And, and, and again, it wasn't just, it's hard because in that martial arts scene, you do have, it's still pretty strong today where some instructors say, well, if you're at my club, you can't train anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it's, it's very popular culture, this. Yeah, and to me, I think you're really restricting your, your development, um, yeah, well, not only as a player but as a coach. There's so much new tweaks and stuff that you can pick up from everyone. Yeah. And then you're like, how oh, I didn't figure this one out? But you know that helps. It might take you years mm. to figure something that you, someone just who is like not so like yeah. good as you or something, but he, he the guy just take yeah. have a good idea and worked on it. It just works. That that helps you know saves you years of exactly. working and you know all your own day into yeah so much knowledge out there and just having a different perspective like like even just a couple of weeks ago I was training um, with a heap of guys and um, we got into a position and I said well from here this is predominantly what 
my guys would do. And they said the same from their position. So we both learned something off each other just from that same one position. Um, just from the judo and BJJ background to, to a wrestling sort of background. So it was good to actually, we both learned something out of it. And it was yeah. just for the fact that we're in that position and, and we're, we're keen to share knowledge. And um, so as it, once my competition days sort of ceased and I started getting more into the, the coaching process so I um I kept that same train of thought and uh the, the couple of clubs that I've started over the years in in uh, West Australia and Victoria I've I've got them to a point where they learn the basics really well and concentrate a lot on technique and then when they get to that stage where they're they're looking to expand their knowledge um that's when I just introduce them to all my contacts from around the world so we normally um I've got, I've got a sister club in Japan and in Osaka and Every two years they run a competition, but it's also like a social gathering as well. So they open it up. Um, the competition is, there's, there's no weight groups. It's only age groups. Um, oh. So it, it's, it's actually ends up being quite competitive and, and quite a big turnout. You have guys, um, say between our age group would be the 30s to 40 year olds. And um, so you're going to have a broad range and you could have anyone from 60 kilos up to 160 um, and it just depends oh. <laughs> on your draw, um, but then at the end of it, they 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 make it a big social event too. So they have a big party and they all get around and they're all there's no egos or anything like that. And there's people from all around the world that come. It's it's a really good event, and I think that's for for my students. I find that that's as an international event or an international sort of um, gathering. That's one of the first ones I try and take them to because it's a good introduction to the social part of, of combat sport. Um, so obviously, as you know, when you get on the, on the mats or in the ring, you're, you're pretty much trying to hurt the other person as much yeah, as you can, yeah. but really in the end, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can be, be, um, build really good relationships, um, off the mat as well. Well, not it? so much in grappling sports and, uh, and that's why I, I, I like to, when I'm when coaching someone, I want them first, you know, to win at least one grappling comp, because you learn how to win, and it's yeah. not so taxing on the body. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's still game of hurting, but in grappling sport, it's more like, uh, like a body chess game. Mm, yes. Because you have to impose your game, mm. and you have to win. It's more like you're safe from being hurt, and you're free to learn the art of winning. Yeah. And then. I led them, you know, to, to compete with, to start, you know, to compete with, with striking. Because striking, striking is just, every, everyone can strike. Even the most untrained person, if you're not conscious, can punch you in the head. Mm. And that can change yeah, the way definitely. of the game. It's very, very quick-paced game. Yeah. And you really, I, I, my theory is, is you need to learn the art of winning before you get into yeah. that. Because then it becomes dangerous. Three those seconds can change the, the whole game. Exactly. Grappling sports are m way more way more safe there is injuries of course yeah but way more safe as percentage than e every fight yeah. i know by, by myself <laughs> every competition i was uh, involved in striking even if if i win it i'm still Just, broken for a week yeah. right yeah a grappling competition even if i get my ass kicked yeah two days after i'm back in the gym training yeah exactly you don't have that impact um, yeah, and that's really uh, where 
veteran grapplings come along is um, so last couple of years I've been in, involved with um, the AFL as a tackling coach and and I just started doing some research on on stats and and um, scientific sort of proof on how that improves other avenues of just like for, for elite athletes um, in, in, in football sports. So I, I started researching that, but then I come across an article that was how um, military veterans in the United States were, were finding that doing BJJ and other grappling arts, that they were actually gaining a lot of mental benefits from it as well. Because um, a lot of veterans struggle, especially combat veterans, um, they come back and then they're pretty much taught to be default aggressive and then they come back into civilian life and they, they're pretty much expected to act like like every other civilian. Um, and they, they still find that transition a little bit hard, being in war for six to 12, 18 months, um, constantly attacking and then coming home and trying to trying to relax and fit back in. So they found that with, with grappling sports, they can come in, they can still be aggressive, but they're not hurting anyone. They're not getting that, that impact constantly like as you said um, they can go really as hard as they want to and the worst they're really going to get um, in a controlled training environment is maybe a bit of bit of skin or or missing or um, you know a couple of sore joints but they're not they're not going to get their face smashed in or or broken hands or you know um, a lot of bones in that regard so they found that the the um, so the more I, I sort of delved into that, I, I, the idea come for me here in Australia is I, I was thinking I had a, a major operation at the start of the year as well. And while I'm in the recovery, I'm like, it'd be really good if someone started this sort of thing in Australia. And I, because for me, I'd like to get involved and, and help out with, with my knowledge, um, being a veteran myself. And, um, and then I just escalated from that. And I just, just thought, well, Instead of waiting around for someone else to do it, I've got the opportunity. I've got the time. I might as well um, start the ball rolling. And before I knew it, um, here we are. We've got the grand opening this weekend, and it's yeah, it's just snowballed. And there's been a fair bit of interest, which is which is good. Yeah. Uh, do you have many people in the group? Uh, so currently, we've got about twelve guys here on the Gold Coast that are doing it. So that's a good start. We've been. Um, been getting together probably once or twice a week um, at the moment uh, because we're, we're setting up the venues been getting set up it's it's ready to go now um, but yeah it's it's good like had a good meeting with mates for mates who are a, a veteran um, organization and, and they revealed some crazy stats which was an eye-opener to me they they said that here on the Gold Coast there's just under 10,000 veterans um, that are currently involved um, with, you know, some sort of they're getting medical treatment or, or they're they're being involved in a veteran community as such. But they're predicting that there's uh, closer to thirty thousand here on the on the Gold wow. Coast in a veteran community. So um, yeah, that was that was a real eye opener. Like I knew they'd be. A fair amount but i didn't think the numbers would be anywhere around there um so it's good we've we the guys that have come out of the woodwork for this um, once we sort of put it out to all the the bjj and judo clubs um guys that have rocked up that i you wouldn't even know 
were veterans um, have been involved in BJJ or judo for a while and and um, and yeah obviously kept it to themselves and now that I'm offering this program it's good that they're all coming together and it, as I said with my background of welcoming to everyone and we all lean off each other um, we've got a good vibe going and, and everyone seems to be keen to get involved and do that same thing so yeah it's been been humbling um, and I've been reached out to to guys in Sydney and Melbourne and Perth and um, guys up in uh, North Queensland as well that are Canberra um, are keen to get involved um, so it's hard I'm only a one man show in one regard so I'm just concentrating on here on the Gold Coast first we'll get that up and running um, I've been building a bit of ties with the guys in Brisbane as well so we're going to try and get together um, yeah, once a week or so, we're, we're going to offer a Saturday session, uh, Saturday morning here on the Gold Coast. So then um, the guys from Brisbane might come down on a Saturday morning and we'll, we'll make it a bit of a social gathering. Afterwards, we'll probably put on you know, a barbecue or a lunch or something. Or after training, we might go down the beach if the weather's good and just try and again build those relationships and, and keep them going in that way. So that's the idea. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I, I, I firmly believe in, uh, in you know, like uh, this healing part of the sport. And as, yeah. as being an athlete yourself, you know, like uh, uh, they, there was this, this saying, uh, like uh, when wives gets you down, like it's perfect position for double leg. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's whatever happens, you go on train, you just. You just burn this, you know, bad energy, and then you start to think clear and start to figure out how, how yeah. to get out. It's like it's like in a match or a spine. You're in a bad position, but if you if you if you freak out, you lost. If yeah. you find a way to calm down under under the you know under the storm and find a way to figure out how to get out, you're getting out. Yeah. And uh, you, the 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 thing is, combo sports are kind of simplistic expression of life, and when you learn the lessons from there. Uh, as we said, you want the art of winning, and uh, when you want the lessons from si simplistic environment as a, uh, a regulated sport, which is still you know put you in danger, mm. you create these uh, uh, these pathways, these uh, these programs in your mind how to deal with bad situations, yeah. and that helps you everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, you know by yourself, I'm sure. Like even in your in your in your life outside the sport these things that you want in the sport helps you mm. you like you know how to deal with with, with difficult situations yeah. because you just have been there so, so often yeah, and exactly. you just create these problems you know you don't really know okay you don't really know go for double leg <laughs> but you know that there is always a way to change the position you are and you yeah. can get better get better you can get out and eventually yeah. you can you can you can figure out how, how, to, yeah, how to deal with it and I, I found a really good correlation between um, martial arts or, or combat sports and when I crossed over to the military and I found that guys who had a similar background found that in combat scenarios they dealt with things a lot better because again even though um, the intensity is obviously at a, at a different level at, oh, yeah, at, at military combat but the, the basic principles are the same, as you said, okay. like um, there's always a way to to win the fight. There's always a way. So 
Um, it's no over a series over. over. <laughs> exactly. And you see that like in in grappling sports a lot. Um, that guys can be leading through the whole contest and then with the last five seconds, they lose. Um, so you're never out of the contest until until it's completely finished. And and um, and that's something that I suppose guys who have been in that combat sport scenario come accustomed to because it's it's from the first time you step into the ring or onto the mat that you know that um, or you or you quickly learn it. Where a lot of people who don't have that background, um, especially coming into the military, it takes them a while to sort of to to grasp that because obviously you don't get the second chances that you do in the combat sport. You learn pretty quickly that you're all, everyone loses at some stage. Well, I don't call it losing, I call it learning. You either win or you learn. Um, well, if, if if you're not losing, you're not engaging in serious contests. That's and right. sooner or later you have to test yourself. Yeah. If you always pick up your yeah, opponents, yeah. you won't be really respected. You know? no. Yeah, you might, you might make a great statistic, but you, to reach there, you have to be professional. To become yeah. professional, you have to learn your lessons that much. Or any other material you're losing. That, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, like, uh, I, was, uh, I was in this event, like, GSP was here. He said, if I have to pull out my, my amateur, you know, statistic with all grappling, I'll be negative. Everyone is losing as amateur. Yeah. That, that, that's the time to make. Uh, yeah, to make exactly. Sense. That's why I'm so big into uh, amateur MMA now, that yeah. is coming to, into Australia, because the system here is very different than the one we have in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Because we have a, a huge amateur circle, you can pretty much compete. Uh, my teams back home, they, they compete every other month. Yeah, good. On, and they compete MMA. Yeah. And eventually, after they win and they become national champions, they then turn champions, yeah. which means they turn, uh, they, uh, turn professionals. They, which means they turn professionals with 50, 60 fights. Yeah, good. People here turn professionals with less than 10 fights. Yeah. They're not professionals. Yeah, that's right. You just... You're just a new guy who are getting paid for that, but you're yeah. not professional. But then, when we're speaking about you know creating a national team, and now we're we're trying you know, to put together a national team yeah, for okay. uh, for Worlds this, this year and Oceania Open, which is going to be here in Gold Coast, by yeah, the way, nice. uh, May next year. And now we start thinking, okay, we have to fight with those guys who are coming from Russia and Eastern Europe, yeah. who like has like amateur MMA championships, mm. like combat some championships. They have way more combat experience, and as you said. Uh, this transitions into this, uh, this you know, pathways how to deal with that, that situation. Experience exactly that, yeah. and you you, are, you only get the, this experience by being engaged into into yeah, combat, exactly. into 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 real real contest. Yeah. But of course, you know, you have to you have to build that by, you know, by, by competing. Now we are, we start organizing these you know amateur tournaments because uh, the thing is, I found it out here. It was very strange for me. Amateurs here fight as professionals. They cut, uh, they cut away the previous day, they fight the next day, they're yeah. just not getting, getting paid, yeah. right? Uh, I think that's not really what amateur should be. Uh, yeah. it, and now, like, uh, with the World Federation is this... Yeah, of course, this, uh, this company should use, of course, they, they're building the guys, but they need tournaments. Yeah. Because, you know, tournament, as is in, in most grappling sports, you go, you, you pass the weight, and you and you go in the racks. You don't know who you're fighting. You yeah, just pretty much won exactly. the cup hour or yeah. something before. Then you have two uh, two matches this day, and you have the final the next day. Yeah. You you build build your way, but that 
builds you i think it's very useful because in every uh, match which is like uh, like i say this like amateurs who fight as professionals you know who you're fighting you prepare for yeah. that, that guy but the stress of engaging with someone who don't you don't really know yeah, exactly. and which means you have to you need to have this overall game built mm. is what makes you good yeah and then when it's you have a couple of tournaments more. like that and when you go to the world championship and you have to fight with these guys from uh, from Russia or USA, who are really strong as well. Sweden is, by the way, very strong yeah. in the amateur MMA. Then you can deal with that with overall game. And eventually, if you if you then become a professional, good, you have all this experience. Yeah. And uh, the thing with, with combo sport, I was always thinking, they don't make sense if you're not the best one, right? <laughs> so why you should turn professional before you become world champion yeah. as amateur? Yeah, true. Become the best and then make, make and money then for that. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, from a military sense too, like, very rarely do we go into a mission without having a decent training program set up before we do. So, even, like, days before we go out on a mission, we, we would rehearse, like, for a good couple of days. So, again, it's very similar to, to that turning professional. You should be putting yourself in the situation by doing the amateur fights and getting your... your um, your game built around what you're going to take when you do go to that to the big league and um yeah i think that that would be really um, good here in australia because obviously mma is is very popular all around the world but um it's definitely there needs to be yeah the amateur scene because we're getting people who just want to be mma fighters really have been getting the the pro cards and, and they've got really well, not much experience. The thing is, that's dangerous for the guys themselves. Uh, definitely, it's it's a dangerous sport. Yeah, it's as you said, one hit can can turn you can yeah. the match, but not only the match can injure you for life. It's yeah. it's not yeah, a joke exactly. sport. Yeah. So yeah, well, I I'm gonna bring I wanna bring you back to to something. I and I I haven't served in military, but I have military education. I, I graduated like uh, military engineering school. Yeah. And then I I gave up. Uh, I moved from the, out from the army, but uh, my best friend, who actually we started uh, my team together, like back home in Bulgaria years ago, uh, he he stayed in the army. He became professional soldier. He was in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, he was in uh, where else? Uh, he was in Kabul when the the big battles was. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are very close friends. Uh, now he lives in the mountains back home. Has yeah. like good family. Yeah. Very great friend of mine, but. Uh, it was very cool, super close, like all the time. And uh, when he came back, you know, the first person who who, uh, who he called was me. Yeah. He was like was spending like nights talking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know from him, he said the most dangerous people when you're in, when the fight happens, are the people next to you who yeah. don't know what what to do. Yeah, exactly. He said like there there was people. Who, who just uh, when the fight happens and the shooting starts happen, they just close their eyes and start shooting. Yeah. And they're the most dangerous people. Like yeah. you're afraid from people that you are with. Yeah. Then uh, the people you're, who are fighting against. And he say like, uh, you know, like after a couple of these things, we start you know to when we have to do something serious, we're getting you know the people who we we trust to each other, we know each other. Yeah. We know that we have some you know common experience. Then you know like just getting these random guys because it's. Yeah. Literally, they can they can shoot you yeah, your, your exactly. own people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but the thing is, as you say, it's so important having this combo sport experience. It helps you. Yeah. It helps does. you know to figure out because 
probably the process in your mind are the same. You're in danger, you have to react. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, these survival instincts kick on, yeah. of course, as, as uh, you know, like uh, the stakes are bigger in, in, yeah, in the real yeah. combat and you have to deal with... But the, the, the core, the principle of, of reaction is the same. You have to react, you have to react properly. Yeah. And not to make <laughs> stupid yeah, mistakes exactly. because they're very costly there. The, yeah. the game is so real. And I, I think what I found is that um, having that combat sport background, that when it did come to these moments, um, as you said, a lot of people panic. And, and the biggest thing is their, their breathing. They just lose control of their breathing. And then that, help, uh, that, that affects their, the way their muscles work and their mind works and everything. So um, a, a good concept that, that my old instructor told me from, from early on was that, you know, especially uh, in grappling sports when you're on the ground, when people could be all over you, um, just to control your breathing, get that, you're gonna be a lot more relaxed and you're gonna think a lot clearly. And I think when my time in the military, I found that when things got hectic, um, I just concentrated back onto my, my breathing and that, that cleared my mind and, and got everything down to a good, good um, easy manageable sort of situation. And I found other guys, we had a couple other guys in our group who, who come from karate and, and Muay Thai sort of backgrounds and, um, and they were very similar um, in that regard and, and they seemed to be a lot more calmer in, in, in the big actions and I think um, that, that was a massive bonus and that's one thing that I really put through to the guys now that, that I've got coming through with ex-military ex guys I just try and educate them on that process and just say, you know, stop wasting your energy by just freaking out and holding on for dear life, like what a lot of beginners do in grappling arts. They just take hold and try and waste all their strength and they normally yeah. gas out pretty quick. So, um, yeah, just just really um, try and control your breathing, relax and, and work on your instincts. And, um, and that's something that I found crossed over really well and um, it definitely helped um yeah and, and talking about the um the people that you don't know that's that that was always probably the biggest threat um so i was lucky with my group we, we were together for probably um 12 months before we went to afghanistan and um so we we're really all very very close and uh we worked in little small groups. So we went out, a lot of our missions were just in our little group. So it was good. We, we didn't really have any issues. Um, there was another group that turned up a few months after us, a much bigger group um, we didn't know much about. Uh, and they did a lot with the with the local sort of police and army. And, and I know they had a lot of issues in that regard down that same path where they found it really hard to trust um, outsiders and, and and everything and as you said the stakes are quite high so it's yeah. understandable um, I was lucky on that trip and then when I went to Iraq um, I ended up going there as a replacement a guy hurt his back um, I'd had surgery on my, on my ankle and then I come good I, I got brought in um, I knew a couple of the guys in the group because uh, I'd been around for a while so that that made things a little bit easier but um, uh, 
on that trip, we did a lot with with um, the Romanians and the United States and the British and um, again the Iraqi uh, locals. So it's very uh, multinational sort of activities and um, yeah, it was probably a lot more stressful I think in that regard because again you don't really know how all the others are going to react. You, they're all allies, but you you never know. Um, you never know how people are going to react when, when things go a bit pear shaped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's probably that's probably one of the, the big risks in in combat scenarios. Yeah, I was I'm big in the mental training, and uh, I have huge interest in that. And I was recently, you know, like um, uh, teaching my guys, and there's a famous. Uh, you know me about Musashi, you probably weren't, yes, weren't about yeah, yeah. him in, in, in the academy, like being, being, we, we did as well because he's like, uh, you know, like part of the military yeah. classics. So he's uh, referring this, uh, uh, the two correct body relation, body-mind relations. So uh, it's uh, aggressive mind into passive body mm-hmm. or passive mind aggressive body. And uh, uh, he explains it this way. So. Uh, Aggressive mind in a passive body, that's when you're counterattacking. So you keep passive, but your mind should be sharp and waiting for the moment to, to attack or to, 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 to execute technique or counter. The opposite uh, is when you have uh, aggressive body and passive mind, when you're, when you're playing aggressively, so you're pushing the pace, you're actually leading the fight, but then your mind should be calm because while you're attacking, your mind has a lot of your brain has a lot of job to do. Mm. So if first of all you have to figure your next combination or your next attack, yeah. your next action. Meanwhile, you have to stay away from the counterattack mm. or like whatever your opponent is doing, not yeah. to get caught just swinging. Yeah. So then actually, while your body is aggressive, your your mind should be passive, like staying alert, staying conscious, staying busy. Mm-hmm. What is wrong is the two left combinations, aggressive-aggressive yeah. uh, mind-body relation. That's that's typical street fight mentality. Yeah. So the body tries to kill, the mind tries to kill. After one minute of action, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you spend everything on yeah, And yeah. opposite is passive-passive mind-body relation. When you're passive, but your mind is not active, you're passive, you see opportunity, you miss it, you see opportunity, you miss it, that's how you, you start losing, you just, your yeah. mind gets flies away of the, of the fight, of the action, and just you yeah. give up the fight. And it yeah, exactly. It's, it's a wonderful what you say, like how, when then the, the things went aggressive, you have to calm down your mind yeah. to, to reach this actually, you know, and it, it's funny how, how these people find that in ages ago, in, in, yeah, exactly. in that was sword fight, yeah. sword warfare, <laughs> Yeah, it was, they find out this, but you you reach that when you when you when you have to when your wife is on stake you, you reach that, you know like uh, their duels was not fun you know fighting with a real swords you know one yeah. mistake you like you use the arm or leg yeah, it's, it's not definitely. a joke or your head <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well if you lose your head you won't care much it's all you know <laughs> true yeah well it was, it was crazy times yeah I think um yeah definitely. Mind plays a massive part, and and you find that um, I find in all combat sports the you can have amazing athletes and and guys that are super strong and 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 they they can get to a certain level, but really it's the thinkers that 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 go the extra mile and and end up um, 
you know, the thinkers and the tech the tacticians are the ones that end up being world champions and end up Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well seeing people like, you know, passing by the sport, you always see these super talented guys who easily become like national champions and they're up to there. Yeah. But the guys who have a bit of hard time in the beginning, but you know, they keep warning the art and they keep analyzing. They actually, the, the guys who has like a bit harder start, they're the ones who excel in the international scene because they, they, they stick into it, you know. Yeah. It takes time, it just doesn't happen yeah, overnight. Yeah, it's kind of sad because you see a guy who is super talented, you know, he's just super coachable, but it's just so easy for him, he doesn't appreciate what, what he has. And just yeah. like, become champions a couple of time, times and then just like, yeah, go through something else, yeah, you know. Something else, yeah, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, you do say a lot. The guys who are big hard hard workers, yeah. they you know kind of you know like they want it for real. Yeah. And they actually who reach like high high levels in sport. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Seeing that a lot. And it's a shame because as you said, sometimes some of the talents you see slip through. Um Yeah. Just it's a bit of a waste. Yeah. Sometimes. But um yeah, you definitely it's the hard workers that always, always come through in the end, and you know my coach used to say to me, "You only get what you what you put in. Um, you can you can get through training, and we can make it as hard as you want, and you can just do the minimum to get through. And um, but if you really want to be the best, you got to do above and beyond. You so um, you know we're always yeah, just think of your number one opponent. They're probably doing at least the same amount as you if not more so if you want to be better than them you need to do more again and that's um that's something that i always put through to my kids and and um yeah just keep reminding them <laughs> yes isn't it funny how now with with your program actually this this comes back you know like actually after you're using now this thing that actually can he help you to prepare for these combat scenarios you use it back you know actually to heal people from combat yeah. scenarios yeah exactly and i think um the the lessons as i said that from combat sports i think you can implement that in anything in life and um like we're finding that that combat sports scenario it's it's very it's something familiar already they're, they're in a combat mindset um but it also helps them integrate back into society where they they have someone up in their face because um, a lot of veterans um, like to be really recluse when they come back. They want nice peace and quiet and they don't want to be around anyone and they just, just want to spend time by themselves. And this gives them an outlet where they're, as I said, it's something familiar to the military that a lot of them have had some sort of training in. They can bring it back into, into um, civilian life and then, um, yeah, get introduced to social activities, um, like-minded people. Most veterans don't like really communicating with with other people, especially at the start, other than other, than other veterans, because they, they find it hard to explain um, what they're going through and, and what they're feeling. And, and they um, a lot of their family members and close friends that they had prior um, do notice that there is a bit of a change and i think that's part of the reprogramming once you do get in the military and you're getting ready to go into a into a war zone um as i said you get trained to be combat um 
or aggressive default we call it pretty much on the attack at any moment so people tend to snap a little bit easier when they come back yeah. and i think um in in the grappling sports you you can you can still be aggressive and you can still sort of snap in some regard but as you know um it's not always the biggest stronger guy that that um that wins in grappling arts you can be tiny and still manhandle a guy who's six foot four and 100 kilos so um, it's very humbling when it's, it very, it's a very <laughs> humbling sport um and i think that again uh, that sort of thing makes guys realize that okay well yeah maybe i do need to start trying to relax and trying to control and think about things a lot more and i think um it sets them on the right right path um we're luckily i've, I've hooked up with a medical team uh through my connection so we've got a um uh, a psych who's going to be running um, trauma-focused yoga as well. So she's going to be doing that a couple of times a week, which is great. She's been working with veterans the last sort of four or so years. So she's got a really extensive background in that regard, and she's offering that through our program as well. Um, we have physios, uh, exercise physiologists, um, who have a background in, in grappling arts as well with BJJ and judo, and then... Um, a GP as well, um, who again, so all that will be on, on site and there'll be access um, for the veterans, which is good. So it gives them a little bit of a safety place where they can they can see all their medical attention if they want to. Um, uh, and it's all there. They don't have to go in different positions or, or shoot around the coast to different areas. Um, we're going to have that all available. And, uh, and we've got a little gym there as well. So guys who want to do a bit of cross training or cardio equipment and a little bit of free weights and stuff as well. So with, with the physios and the EPs there, they can, they can help them out with programs. And um, yeah, so that's the idea is just to be a bit of a one-stop shop. Um, everyone, any veteran can go along and sort of tap into all the resources if they want to. So. And it's free, isn't it? It's free for veterans. Yeah. Free for veterans. Yeah. Which is good. Um, so, that's that's the point it's just something that um i've found has really helped me and and some close friends to me um in the veteran community all the way back from vietnam veterans which which my coach was and he found that that you know he's a black belt in judo and and jujitsu and um he found that just getting back on the mat was the best best thing for him it, it, it um was much better than the medication and, and other forms of treatment that he tried and and um and i found the same when when i come back that getting back involved um nationally with with judo and, and bjj just just helped me tremendously and and a couple other veterans now and that's as i said that's that's what we found that helped and it, it just sort of gone from there and and um yeah so that's what i wanted to offer is just um my experiences, pass that on, how I've dealt with things and, and tap into my resources through the medical side and give guys the opportunity. And uh, I've been lucky enough to be to gain a lot of support there. Um, and, you know, with the grand opening this weekend, I'll, I'll put a few things out on social media about if anyone wanted to help, they're more than welcome to donate items for raffles or... or um, uh, 
the medical team has started a GoFundMe page in the last couple of days as well to put that out and we've had a little bit of support there which is good but all the fees or all the money raised um, is, is going to go to um, to like train equipment so like geese and rush guards and, and shorts that I'm going to have to give to the guys hopefully um, luckily we've had a group in the United States uh, another veteran owned organisation called uh, geese for GIs um, he uh, <laughs> That's cool. yeah cool. he's a great bloke um, and he's um, so Brian Brian was really good and helped us out and, and gave us 12 geese they arrived um, in the last couple of days uh, from the States and so it took a little bit of um, bit of work to get them back here, but we got them in the end, thanks to um, one of our physios who was lucky enough over in um, over in Minnesota for a wedding, a mate's wedding. Oh. So luckily he brought them back. So he had good, said he got a bit of a hard time coming back through customs, but uh, oh, with a couple of geese. Yeah, with with with, with twelve geese, which is interesting. <laughs> but um, personal use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, so that was good. So we're going to present them to to the guys. Um, on Saturday, so that'll be a good start for them. And we've had a couple of local sponsors that have offered um, rash guards and, and shorts that we'll hand out to a few of the boys as well. And um, and yeah, and some items that we're going to raffle off on the day. So that, as I said, that money will go back to them. We'll we'll get some more geese when when uh, more people sign on, and um, we want to pay for their registration fees as well. So for the national bodies for judo and BJJ pay them so they, if guys want to compete or if they want to do gradings or anything like that they're covered um, so that's the idea give the guys the opportunity if they want to they can they can focus down that path if they just want to just come in and roll around and as i said do it for a social thing well that's fine it's, there's no pressure probably that that's a good good place to say how people can reach and how how they can help if they want to yeah so um if if you want to reach out um, best thing is to, to get on our Facebook or Instagram pages um, on veteran grappling um, get on there and, and have a look and follow the links um, or just reach out send us a personal message on there and then um, yeah or, or turn up even on the day on Saturday and um, we've got a few guys rocking up on the day that where's that uh, yeah so it's unit 4 33 Expansion Street in Mollendina. So Mollendina is in the north end of the Gold Coast. It's a bit of an industrial area. It's close to Griffith University and the new the new hospital, Griffith University Hospital. Um, we're just off Smith Street Motorway, which is pretty easy for, for the guys at the north end. Easy to get to, um, plenty of parking. Um, yeah, we've, we've got a pretty good space. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue and, and a few other bits and pieces on the day. Hopefully some guest speakers. And so currently we've got um, doors are open at 10 and we've got um, guest instructors from 11 through to one o'clock. Um, so mats are going to be open. People can get on if they want for the whole two hours or they can just come on and off when they want to. So we've got a couple of UFC fighters that are going to be on. Um, We've got about half a dozen uh, BJJ black belts. Uh, we've got about four four judo black belts plus two coral belts, so red and white, um, uh, six six stands, and then we've got a couple of guys who are currently serving in the military at an base in Brisbane. They're going to come down. They run the 
the, um, the combat sport program there at Inogra. Um, they've just moved into a, an amazing new facility um, where they've got a cage and and um, and a big mat area and um, a lot of bags and stuff set up and and they run not only uh, combat style so they, they they do gi stuff they do no gi where they just use their, their camouflage pants and and a PT shirt and um, and they also do a bit of um, weapon self defense as well so they, they've got a really good program there run by um run by Paul Carl and, and and Aaron Johnson and and they're um yeah so a couple of them guys are going to come down and help they might do a little bit of self defense stuff at the end so it's oh, good finally you know someone's going to do uh, something real about self defense yeah well because that's it. The, the moment i hear self defense like, <laughs> yeah, ah, yeah yeah what is because it because all these guys who <laughs> never had an idea like what is about it like, yeah there's if, a if lot of being a bit into it. this it's just shocking yeah know? yeah if if you have military people who are showing you self defense okay they know what they're doing yeah but all these people who never was in a in a swap fight or people fighting showing self defense just just ridiculous yeah even recently i had a I had a guy who is a friend of mine on this podcast and um, uh, he's uh, he's doing Filipino martial arts in back home yeah and uh, he has this uh, very interesting channel uh, he's in YouTube he's exploring you know the myths of self-defense and uh, he's even uh, recently he was doing a, uh, he was doing kind of a research for paper sprays okay and they were studying paper sprays in realistic scenarios and they've like at the end like they find that paper sprays is not really reliable tool yeah in the self-defense uh it was very fun uh fun talk with him and i was like surprised like, how come you know like that's one of the most common like especially mm. for female self-defense yeah yeah what they found out that like um even the best uh on the market uh he said the brand i'm not big in you know like in in paper spray but if you don't keep them like the bottles straight, if it's like wide yeah. down the horizontally in your pocket, thirty percent of the of the of the times you have to to use it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Which means if you if you woman you attack and it mm. doesn't work, <laughs> yeah, you're in big trouble. Yeah. You know, you you that's why you 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 kick you carry the, the <laughs> damn thing with you. Yeah. Then the other problem is, which is I think is a big problem in self all self defense. You know tools and weapons is how you carry it yeah right if you carry something in your in your purse and someone attacks you and you have to open your purse yeah. to walk between all these things yeah. that you carry there especially and you have to the go it out purse. especially <laughs> women's purse there's like a small universe down there <laughs> that's another problem you cannot pull it out yeah yeah exactly and then it happens that and the, the, the guys are fine they, they're just spraying each other right yeah. not for real you yeah, know yeah. but if you only have like sunglasses and a hoodie and you spread your arms in front of your face mm. you actually can reach a person then turns into hand-to-hand fight yeah which means it's not really reliable in real no and it's it's my that's one of the most popular self-defense yeah. uh tools right yep. yeah it's <laughs> it's and if you haven't even me you know like i was I never use paper spray, but you know, like paper spray, it, it's supposed to be something used for for self defense. Yeah. And when I when I watched that, and I was like, damn, this thing is is useless. Yeah. I mean, it is useful, but what if happens? You need training. Yeah. To use it. Like all things. Like training. everything, it's just not something you buy and I'm safe. Yeah. Uh, what uh, Galini was explaining was, 
you need to train with it yeah and you need to know what to do if it jams it doesn't work mm. and something else uh, they find out like if you if you try to spray something walk into it you can actually spray yourself yeah and if you if you're the attack guy and by rule the attack person is smaller and weaker and you spray away yourself you don't see yeah. now you're in big trouble yeah because you attack but yeah. now you don't see yeah. <laughs> I've actually literally seen that happen before before I joined the army. Um, I used to do a bit of bouncing around the clubs in Melbourne and uh, there was a scenario where two guys end up um, getting into a massive fight and police turned up and a policewoman pulled out the capsicum spray. She went to spray it but it was actually a really windy night and it blew straight back onto her and she was, both of them were down on the ground just trying to rake their eyes out and um, the other two guys who were fighting stopped, turned around and started laughing. And, um, well, it and, stopped the fight. And they, and they ran away. They ran away. So, it's but um, yeah, it's, it's, that's right. Like this, and there's been a fair bit of coverage lately, especially here on the Gold Coast with police. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the video of the young, the young school kid actually Choked. Yeah, rear naked choke on the on the police. No, I think it's guilty on guillotine with it. Yeah, so I mean, there's I've had a fair few police reach out to me as well for the program, and that's something that we're looking into to see if we can get something up and running for them as well. Because as you said, a lot of the self defence classes are pretty poor. They're v they're very mm. average. Um, so with with Paul and and um, Aaron in in Brisbane, like Paul's started this program. He, he's He's got his own thing called kinetic fighting, and it's um, Paul's an ex-commando sergeant. He's he's very well experienced. He's he's got about six or seven um, black belts in different martial arts, and he's he'll hate me saying this, but um, JJ is he's um, being referred to as the um, Australia's most dangerous man. He actually uh, while on deployment in in Afghan, he um, he ended up going into a room and. He got jumped by a guy and he ended up choking the bloke out, <laughs> one of the Taliban guys. So since then, he's been labelled with this Australia's most dangerous man and <laughs> he hates it, but the um, the media love it. So um, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's got this program that he's developed for, for um, defence and then obviously, um, yeah, it's police and um, ambos and all that, I think really need to take that on because... The, the programs that they've done previously are obviously not working. The, the guys are getting pushed around, and um, yeah, cap spray is definitely one thing that doesn't do much. <laughs> <Yeah. It's... laughs> well, the thing, it, the thing is, it doesn't take much. I mean, like you know, like if someone who already has some kind of athletics, after a couple of months training, he becomes good enough to defend, yeah. and that's what as a police force you need. But mm. you need to train for real. Yeah. No, it doesn't work with these self-defense course. It just they're just ridiculous most of them. Yeah. Which is funny, no one is how no one has insurance, you know, to do like bullshit moves. I even like speaking about Galin, he recently sent me a video of Anderson Silva doing a ridiculous move against knife. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that. No, I haven't seen that one. Like uh, he's like, you know, someone's liking with knife, like I, I I'm sure that's like kind of Steven Seagal, you know, influence. Yeah. And he's taking the knife with with it doing something with his neck you know that you're gonna be dead from yeah. that you know it just i know you anderson silva you're probably one of the most decorated MMA athletes mm. but you don't do shit like that <laughs> against knife it's just it and and he said that like 
you know, like being in the MMA side, I was like, yeah, no one's sure of doing stupid shit. You know, yeah. just everyone can tap into into stupid stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. What 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 you can do? It just. Ah, <laughs> uh, and if anyone's come across a, a scenario where they faced against someone with a knife, um, I have before in, in my bouncing days, and the, the one sure thing I reckon that if you find someone with a knife. If you stand and try and fight them, you're gonna get stabbed at some point. Hundred percent. I'm coming cut. from a city where knife fighting is big. I mean, just they have this stupid gang gang yeah. tradition. It's hard to say gangster, but you know, it's kind of you know like street yeah. shit. And the thing is, if you're fighting against knife with, guy with knife, you're gonna get cut yeah. at least. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. The only thing you can do reasonable is to get something heavy to throw on the guy, yeah. or to get something longer. Yeah. That's the only reasonable yeah. thing you can do. Definitely. Trying to fight or to do like anything with guy with knife, especially if he has a bit of idea what he's doing, yeah. you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. Same referring to the talk with Galen, he said if two people with knives get in a fight to each other, yeah. there's big chance they both die. Yeah. Because okay, one eventually you know kill the other or like yeah. but then he's gonna die by by the wounds. Yeah. It's not just, you no. know, like in movies, you know, going like yeah. it's so it's so stupid <laughs> weapon, so simple, yeah. but it's super dangerous in close combat. Yeah, it just you either like take something heavy, throw on the guy and just run for your life. Yeah. And you don't do stupid stuff. Or if you are not able to run away, you need to they take something longer. <laughs> yeah. It always always makes me laugh with um like self-defense courses and everything where the guy comes with a knife and they do one little jab and then you know they kind of leave their arm out there and they show them this fence never and happened like to get, it never, never happened happens, like that. no no look but it's, it's never normally just do one jab, it's <laughs> normally never the knife comes first yeah people like are making like grip on yeah, you exactly. and then start stabbing yeah that's the <laughs> i'm not nice patients i just have seen on the street yeah. i have two times in in a situation like that yeah it's knife doesn't come first. No. You know, knife is your weapon. Yeah, exactly. Knife is your weapon. You try to you know to stop the other stop guy moving and then yeah. pin him somewhere and then he starts stunning. Yeah. And then you it's Yeah. It, it's <laughs> your worst. Yeah, exactly. Your worst. It, it never never happens, you know, like this, you know, like nah. big yeah. <laughs> swing, you know, and just with a knife and you see the knife and you know that's the knife. No. Yeah. And normally people don't even show it. No. Like no, uh, exactly. Yeah, what yeah, they do surprised. when they're attacking. They pull the knife, they hide you, you don't even see it. Yeah. The guy grabs you and starts stabbing. That's yeah. how the knife fight starts. Exactly. It's never, you know, I have a knife, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> no, man. You if me. he has a real intention, he won't show it. Mm. If someone shows the knife, he doesn't really have intention to attack. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah, if yeah. someone shows you the knife, okay. Turn around and run. <laughs> run or you can, you agree with everything, you just get off. Yeah. If he shows you the knife, he doesn't, he has run. real intention yeah. to hurt you. But if someone has really intention, he won't show you the knife. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna grab you somewhere, yeah. and then you, he starts stabbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Knife, knife funny is no joke. No. And it's never, it's never about striking. Knife funny is more about grappling. Yeah. It always happens like you know, like this scramble thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be good. To, I don't know um, what they'll show, but they're gonna, they're gonna put something on. So um, obviously, the whole idea is just. Again, like that same theory, we want to learn from from different people and different backgrounds, and we just we're just keen to get everyone in and just give everyone a bit of knowledge for the day, and then um, 
yeah, then we've, we'll turn into a bit of a social thing afterwards. We'll, um, as I said, we've got a barbecue cooking and, and we'll um, sit down, have a bit of a chat, have a bit of food and a bit of drink and um, have a bit of a chat with everyone. And again, um, yeah, it's a whole idea, just celebration really for the day. And and then from there, we're, uh, the program, we're going we're gonna to have something on six days a week for veterans. So that's the idea is either yoga, some sort of grappling, um, and on Friday afternoon, I think it's around two o'clock, we've um, tapped into a uh, hydrotherapy pool in Bundle. So the veterans oh, are going to be recovery. able to go there and do a bit of recovery thought in, end of the week, a um, bit of relaxing sort of thing. And then, yeah, and then as I said, Saturday morning social thing, we're going to try and leave it. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Uh, is the opening open for, for public? Yeah, for everyone. For everyone? Yeah, that's the Everyone's idea. invited. Everyone's invited. Um, uh, open day is, is an open day, so anyone can get on the mat, anyone can can come along and show their support and have a chat to the veterans and um, yeah, we've got guys from um, teenagers all the way up to a um, couple of Vietnam veterans said they're going to come along, they're in their, in their mid-70s, so wow. um, it's good, yeah, there'll be plenty of people to talk to and, and Plenty of um, good stories getting around, no doubt. Uh, should be good. Yeah, I'm gonna go. You're gonna give me the links. I'm gonna put them yeah. to this. I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'll sweet. try to publish it. No, no, I'll try. I'll definitely publish this today. I'm normally oh, a bit big. slow, <laughs> so but I push myself because I had an idea, you know, to to talk with you since I saw the ad for the veteran grappling. Yeah. It's always something else, and then I saw the uh, saw that it's this week, and I say, damn, I forgot. <laughs> and then I send you a message. Say, oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the idea, and we'd love to have you in some stage. And um, I know you got a sandbag oh, background, and we'll, we'll work yeah, too. yeah, definitely. Because as I said, like it's all very similar. It all comes from the same spot. I mean, wrestling's been part of human life for sake of walk, pretty much. And uh, I've got two young boys, and they're 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 into it already. They're only four and. And two and a half, and they're wow. they're beating each other up already, and <laughs> well, <laughs> they don't stop. <laughs> well, I I I guess they they know who who their father is. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think the younger one's the one to worry for. I think he's uh, he's going to be a real. He, he loves a good hug, and he loves beating up on the older one already. Uh, he's he's definitely aggressive little boys. It's good. He's, he's, um, that's good. That that's healthy for boys. Yeah, uh, and you you know you know how to deal with that and being in the sport. So they, that that yeah. that's good. Healthy boys. Yeah, they yeah. they are aggressive in the stage. Then then you learn how how to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. When they're older, it'll be good. Um, and I'm I'm just happy that they're doing that instead of sitting in front of a TV and oh, yeah. a lot of kids these yeah. days. Well, it's. Uh, it was it's something that I learned from these uh, coaching courses that I met as uh, as a Russian guy who is like a combo sports scientist. Like, yeah. uh, he's very, very, very. Well, when I when I speak to him, I was like, man, like how someone could know so much mm. and just science, you know, like yeah. we in the sport from scientific point of view. So he was saying like, uh, uh, why we see less good strikers yeah. nowadays? Yeah, it's because of the screens. Uh, kids now mm. grow with screens, and what they use because the screen is flat. What they use is they use um, uh, perception for depth, yeah, true. which is a very basic skill for striking for sports. Striking, yeah. And uh, 
if you think about it, like uh, when you was playing outside, what you're doing, you 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 measure the depth yeah. all the time, and it's real because if you ask someone who is like like you, our age or older, what's the distance from here today? They're probably gonna straight tell you straight away. Mm. If you ask someone from the young kids, they cannot measure distance no. by by I uh, older people like like. They they can tell you this one from here to to the tree or something straight away, and you yeah. all need almost exact. Yeah, young people lose that because the screens they would lose their depth perception. Yeah, big time. And you know you actually realize how, like when you don't practice a skill, how you lose it, and that's so basic life yeah. skill, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's, it's so important on people to to practice sports that they actually yeah. have contact, especially exactly. young young people. Yeah, that and just simple things too, like. Um, balance. We see a lot in grappling sports. A lot of the kids that we got coming through. Um, so I was I was a strength and conditioning strength and conditioning coach for the Queensland judo team this year, and um, watching a lot of the the junior athletes coming through. And um, I went part of the futures um, Australian team judo program as well, which is sort of twelve to fifteen year olds. And we had a camp at the start of the year down at Canberra at the Institute of Sport and. Um, you know, I just put them through some testing and a lot of them, their balance was, was not that great and just stuff that, um, you know, that we sort of grew up on that you're, cause you're always outdoors and you're always yeah, you just run, playing roll, sport, wrestle, and, like yeah, playing ball. climbing trees and doing yeah. all that sort of stuff. A lot of this, this new, um, generation coming through have been more in front of the screen. Um, technology has been good in some regards, but in, in, in other ways, it's it's affected a lot of the the basic motor neuron skills that um, you know that I suppose we've taken for granted. Uh, these kids, yeah. So I do a lot of gymnastic type stuff with cross training stuff with my kids, and um, it's it's really strange where some kids like yeah they can't even can't even do skipping or they can't they can't balance on one leg very well or um, yeah, you know, closing their eyes and touching their touching their nose and things like that, which yes, yes. you know, basic sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, which which realizing that obviously changes your coaching um, perspective a little bit more and and your focus on with the kids what to what to aim on to start with because obviously you, there's things further down the track that you can't really build on if they don't have those basic yeah, aspects yeah so. you you come to a point working with kids you have to build these motor skills mm. and balance and you know like this depth perception yeah while you're like teaching them actually the elements of the sport yeah yeah so it's, it's a little bit extra education challenging. Yeah. challenging yeah that's all part of the job and it's um it's good yeah good fun let's wrap this one up uh what is worth fighting for for yourself what's worth fighting for good question been fighting for, for well, quite quite a few things i've been so. fighting for quite a few things so earlier in my competitor days it was for the olympics obviously um I, I didn't quite get there i just just missed out on a couple so after that um joining the army uh fighting for freedom really which was the main thing um there's a lot of bad people in the world and um, we were just doing our part to try and try and keep them at bay, and uh, now what I'm fighting for is um, for the veteran community. I want to get um, the, especially the grappling arts 
BJJ, judo, and wrestling. I want to get into the Warrior and Invictus games, and they're like the the um, I suppose like the military games for for combat veterans uh, or for, for veterans in general. Um, judo is very big in the world military games. Um, I was lucky enough to be selected when I was during my time, but I end up going to Afghanistan instead. Um, and there's nothing currently in in the Warrior Warrior Games, which is the American version, and the Invictus Games, which is um, the British version. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of other sports, but none of them are in it. So I'm I'm fighting to get the opportunity for veterans to to be able to have that. And um, so yeah, that's one of the the driving forces for this program that I've started, and and I've been working in the background talking to all the different organisations to try and get that approved and I've had really good backing behind um, judo and BJJ affiliations here in Australia specifically um, and a couple other similar groups to me in, in the US, Canada and, and, um, and England and we're trying to push it on to them and if not, if they don't want to accept us, then we're just going to run our own thing. <laughs> we're uh, We're going to run our own training camps and competitions and and we'll bounce between each nation and, and get things going. So we've got some guys coming out from the US in um, in February next year, a um, couple of veterans coming out, and so that's that should be good. And, um, yeah, it, it, um, that's what we're fighting for, with survival. <laughs> good. Thanks for that, brother. No worries. Thank you. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Time. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to the Paizo podcast. Subscribe in your podcast app to receive the next episode where I talk with my great friend and student Stefan Petrov. Stefan is Judo and Sambo multiple national champion, combat Sambo national champion and European medalist in combat Sambo. He is MMA national champion of Bulgaria and he is currently 10-point purple belt and professional grappler fighting out of 10-point London in UK where he is also a wrestling coach. Thank you.